Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. They teach you, if you go to Bible college, if you stick around, if you do discipleship courses, you'll learn this thought about God, this uh, truth about God that is not found verbatim in the Bible, but is displayed in the Bible over and over. And that is that God, His character, His attributes are that God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, and God is omnipresent. You won't necessarily find those words in your Bible. What those words mean is God is omnipresent. God is omni is all present places. God is all places at all times. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. God is omniscient. He is all knowing. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all places at all times. There is not a creature in that, is there's not a person in the world that has those three attributes. There's not a creature in all creation that has those three attributes. There's no devil, no demon, no angel, no human, no creature is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all places at all times. That is the supremacy, the majesty of our God. But in this life that we're living, It's life of faith. Our faith in our God will get tested in all those areas all the time. See, what happens when we go through things in life is the enemy wants to bring into question God's character. He did it way back in the garden. If you look back at Genesis 1, 2, 3, you're going to see creation. You're going to see Adam and Eve and you're going to see the devil sneak his way into that garden and come up to Eve and bring bring into question God's character. He says to her, Did God really say? He's questioning God. And the same thing that He did back in the garden, He's doing to you and I today through the things that we go through. See, every situation, every trial, every temptation, it's an attempt by the devil to get our focus off the goodness and the reality of God and onto the reality of our circumstances that we are surrounded with. To get our focus off of heaven and onto earth, away from the supernatural and onto the natural. And if he can get your focus away from heaven and onto what you're going through, he will question God's character. It's like, yes, yes, of course, God is all powerful, but is he powerful? to move in your situation. Yes, God knows all the big things, but does He really know what you're going through? Yeah, of course, God is all places at all times, but why would He pay attention to you when you did what you did this week? See, what's remarkable about today is today is the first Sunday of the new year and the first Sunday of the new decade. Now, Some people are of the thought that, you know, what's the big deal between December 31st and January 1st? If you live in Miami, not much. You go to sleep on December 31st, the weather is perfect. You wake up on January 1st, it's still perfect. I don't get it. It's like, yeah, cool, same as yesterday. And a lot of people treat New Year's like that. And I get that. Like, yeah, cool, it's just another day, not a big difference. But at the same time, you read the scripture, I think there is power in seasons and cycles and times and that God has times and seasons as part of this life that we live. So there is something powerful about saying, that's the close of that chapter. That's the end of that year. I'm gonna take a moment. I'm gonna reflect. I'm gonna do all of those things. But here I am, I'm moving forward into all that this year holds for me. There is something powerful about that. And we are launching this week, 31 days. If you had 31 days to live, how would you live? Now, that's a brilliant question. You know, sometimes when we're on tour with our team and the nights are long and we've been traveling and we're on some form of transportation and we are wired like 
We don't even know what time of day or night it is. We are traveling from one venue to the next. And should we sleep? Should we not sleep? We're not entirely sure. See, the, the curse about living in Australia is it's the greatest place in the world, but it's so far away from everywhere else. <laughs> you want to travel, like you got to get jet lagged. It's, it's just a reality. And, uh, and we find ourselves every now and again playing this game when we're on tour, some of the boys. And uh, we usually don't play it with the girls, not because it's a sexist thing, but usually because our answers can be more stupid if the girls aren't around. And the game is this. It's simply if you had 10 minutes right now, you 10 minutes, do whatever you want. And then at the end of that 10 minutes, everything rewinds and no one remembers a thing. What would you do? And usually because there's all boys around, I mean, for some reason, the pants come off straight away. I don't know why. It's like, it's just a thing with boys. It's just like, yeah, cool. No, no consequences. And uh, it's usually some kind of not legal, but non-malicious actions that entail over the next 10 minutes. And you try something death defying and maybe you die, but it's not a problem because it rewinds 10 minutes. No one's Anyway. We play this dumb game. I'm not going to tell you some of the things that we come up with, but it made me think of the answers of those people up on screen before. If you had 31 days to live, what would you do? It's like, man, I'd spend everything. I'd, I'd shoot all my shots, man. I'd do everything. It'd be amazing. I love that guy. What a, what a character. But everyone up there was focused on this one thought. What would I do for myself if there was no consequences? But the true power of this thought, if you had 31 days to live, what would you do? I actually don't think a lot of us would be all about what could I do for myself. I'd want to start thinking of what's going to happen when I'm gone? What kind of legacy am I leaving? How have I impacted those around me? Rather than spending everything I've got on me, how can I do everything I can to pay Pay down some of this blessing that I've received to be praying for people and reaching for people and passing on to the next generation or to people around me. How can I leave a lasting impact and a legacy? And it's not so much that there is no consequences. Really, it's that there's every consequence in the world. If I had 31 days to live, man, it is all on the line. This is how I'm going to be remembered. And the power of this thought. I pray that you don't have 31 days to live, by the way. But if you did, the power of this thought is how it would change your life. I don't think many of us would get caught up, worried, thinking about what that person down the road is thinking about us or what people are saying about us or how people are judging us. I don't think we would want to get caught up with those things. I don't think we would want to stand here and allow our past, what we've done or what people have done to us. I don't think we'd want that to limit us. I think we'd want to be free. I think we'd want to be courageous. I think we'd want to take steps of faith. I think we'd want to believe that maybe, just maybe, God could do something pretty supernatural in and through my life. But then the truth is, you don't have 31 days. I dare you to live like you did. But then when the 31 days comes to an end, Keep living like that. Keep living like nothing can hold you back. Keep living like nothing is impossible through Christ who gives you strength. Keep living like he, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Keep living like your past cannot define you. Keep living like your God just could do something pretty supernatural in your life. That's how we need to keep living this year. For all of us in this room, at the end of a decade, the end of a year, and I guarantee for all of us in this room, there are things we look back on last year. I don't need to be prophetic to know you all had a bad day last year. 
But there are things we can look back on and say, man, I, whew, I wish some things went differently. I wish I kept some of those resolutions. I dreamt dreams that haven't been fulfilled yet. I prayed prayers that I feel haven't been answered yet. Perhaps there were even things I did that I regret. So the question is, how are we going to move into this new year? How are we going to move into this new decade? Are we just going to keep doing the same thing? Pretend that nothing happened last year? Or are we just going to close the door on last year and just pretend to wipe the slate clean and go, I'm good, let's move forward. Or, or some of us, maybe we look at this year and go, man, all those things I wanted to happen last year didn't happen. So maybe I just need to lower my expectations moving into next year. To, to be honest, what I want to talk about tonight really does not address any of those questions. And that's not what I'm here to do. Because I think all of those things, every single person in this room is going to have a different answer. Some people need to keep doing the same thing. Other people need to change what they're doing. Some of us need to, I, I hate the thought of ever lowering our vision or lowering our expectation, but some people are caught up on the bit now. You're waiting for some 10 years from now and, and it's paralyzed you from doing anything and you're here and now. You're waiting for someone to give you a stage and a microphone, but you don't need a microphone to preach a message. You don't need a stage to preach a sermon. You need to reach the person next to you right now. That's the life God has for you. Dream big, but do what God has for you today. But the truth is, I'm not here to answer those questions. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. I believe that with all my heart because the Bible says it. It's been true in my life. But I've discovered so many people major on the works and minor on the faith. We spend a lot of time thinking about what am I doing? How can I do it better? I want to work smarter. I want to work harder. I want to get more done. See, that's powerful. But I want to talk to us tonight about faith. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. There is something powerful about faith. And we've got got great cause to have faith because we've got a God who could split the sea. We've got a God who could raise the dead. We've got a God who could feed the multitude. We've got a God who can do anything. This is the God that we have faith in. And there is something powerful about a person of faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith opens up your life to everything that heaven has for you. Faith opens up your natural circumstances to the supernatural possibilities of our God there's something powerful about a person of faith come on somebody shout at me say just believe come on say just believe you see too many people in life as I've talked with people and pastored people I feel like too many people in life get stuck in the realm of understanding it's like man I've got to understand something if I'm really going to believe it let me explain this to you. We go through things in life all the time that we don't understand. I remember years ago that I was going through a certain situation. I knew people were talking about me behind my back. I knew I was getting misrepresented. I knew it was going on. So you know what I did? I did what a good Christian would do. I went to God. I said, God, fix this. I was praying about it. I said, God, you're a God. I just reminded him who he was. Sometimes you need to do that. By the way, God, you're a God of justice. This is wrong change it. I don't know why you're laughing. True story. I began to pray. I said, God, you need to change this. Guess what God did? Didn't change it. He didn't change a thing. All of this was going on. And the whole time I had no, I, I did not understand, 
why I was getting misrepresented, why I was getting mistreated, why things were happening behind me. I was praying. I was doing the right thing. I was trying to live my life for God. I was trying to press into all that He had for me. I knew things were going on. They were out of my control, but they were within God's control. And so I said, God, you need to do what I cannot do. And I felt like God did nothing. Truth is, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand it because I'd done all the right things. I'd ticked all the right Christian boxes. I'd gone to God. I'd gotten unforgiveness out of my heart. I'd prayed the prayers. I'd asked for the power of God to move. Nothing changed. And I did not understand that. And the problem with understanding is so many of us limit our, our, our relationship with God to simply what we can understand. But here's the problem with that. This brain up here, like I know a few things, but it's about three pounds That's my entire brain, three pounds. If I'm going to limit God to this brain up here, like I know a bit of stuff, but that's not a very big God. If I can understand everything about Him, that's not the kind of God really that's worthy of worship. If I can understand everything. And so many of us, we limit our relationship with God to simply what we can understand. We limit our journey of faith to simply what we can understand. Guess what? I'm so glad that I did not stop that as a situation back there and refuse to move on until I understood or use that as an excuse to walk out on my relationship with God for some reason and I can't tell you why but for some reason I just decided to keep walking I said God I don't understand but I'm going to keep walking because I still believe that you're good the thing is now I get to stand here all of these years later and I look back at what I went through and I go ah I get it now. I get it that I would not have learned what I needed to learn if I didn't go through that. Let me get all of our theology straight here. God did not cause the bad things. God does not cause, it is outside of His character to ever do anything bad to us. But here's the thing about being a Christian. It is not a promise that we will never go through valleys. It is not a promise that we will never go through storms. The greatest promise of being a Christian is that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's the promise He has for you. So now I get to look back and say, yeah, I went through that storm. But if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't know what I needed to know to stand where I'm standing today. So now I can look back and say, thank God I went through what I went through. See, if you limit God simply to what you can understand, you're not going to go very far in life, in your journey of faith. One of the saddest things I come across is a Christian who stopped believing. And I don't mean stop believing in God. I mean, they still believe in God. They're still Christian. But a Christian who stopped believing in the realities of God for their circumstances. I was talking to someone just the other day saying it's almost the new year. What are you believing for next year? What are you dreaming for? What are you hoping for? You know what their answer was that they said to me, I've stopped dreaming. I've stopped hoping. See, this is a person who I know quite well, who's gone through plenty of hurt in their life, but no more hurt than anyone in this room. They've gone through plenty of disappointment in their life, but to be honest, no more disappointment than anyone in this room. Every single one of us speaks the language of hurt. Every single one of us knows the pain of disappointment and unforgiveness. But that's the thing about this journey with God. 
is everything we go through in life, it's an opportunity for our faith to be diminished or it's an opportunity for our faith to be enlarged. It's all about how we approach the things we go through. I don't know about you, but I wanna be the kind of person that just believes that doesn't allow the situations and the circumstances I go through to dictate the level of my faith. I want what God says about Himself to dictate my theology and to dictate my faith. That God, if You say You're good, then I want to stand upon that. If You say You're all-powerful, then I want to stand upon that. If You say You know all things, that You know my end from my beginning, then I want to stand upon that. Somebody shout, just believe. Can we go deeper? I want, to, I want to turn to the book of Luke chapter 8. And there's a man here that I believe is going to illustrate this for us. Starting in verse 40. It says, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they'd been waiting for Him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with Him to come home with Him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. I want you to take note here of how Jairus came to Jesus. Jairus didn't show up and try and book an appointment with one of the disciples. He didn't stand back on the edge and just kind of wait for an opening. The Bible clearly says that Jesus was surrounded by the crowds, but this man pushed through the crowds and came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading. He said that Jesus is your son, will operate differently to other people. When you know that Jesus is your only answer, you will operate differently. The story goes on. It says, as Jesus went with Jairus, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. See, Jairus was on this journey with Jesus. He was on this journey of faith. But on his journey of faith, this desperate man got interrupted by another desperate woman. And in this moment, this becomes a test to Jairus. Does he have faith? Does he truly have faith in God's omnipresence? You see, omnipresence means that God is all places at all times. Now I know God was, Jesus was God wrapped up in human form. So he could only be one place at one time. But Jairus was in a rush, y'all. His daughter was dying now. And the problem was Jairus was in a rush, but Jesus did not seem rushed at all. In fact, there was a whole crowd around him and Jesus was like, yo, someone touch me. Jairus was like, yo, it's a crowd, Jesus. Do you understand what that means? Like you're going to get touched. But the story goes on. Verse 46, Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me. I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she'd touched him and that she'd been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is a miracle. This is a breakthrough. This is something only God could have done. I, I, I don't know if you've ever come to church before and heard someone give a testimony before. Anyone ever heard a great testimony when they come to church before? I love testimonies. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony. 
Testimonies are powerful. When you're testifying, you say, your God did this and God, would you do it again? That's what testimonies are saying. Do it again, God. I love testimonies. But have you ever been to church and you roll up, you're here on a Sunday, you're happy to be here. You're like, God, I just want to praise you. And someone gets up and testifies and they begin to testify that they got their breakthrough, which is the same breakthrough that you've been praying for for 10 years. And they've been praying for about 10 seconds. You've been praying and fasting and serving and hosting dinner parties and they showed up last week and they've already got their miracle. And instead of praising God, you're sitting there going, you for real? Like for real? What more do I have to do? Sometimes, of course, we would never admit to thinking like that. But can you imagine what Jairus was feeling in this moment? Like, I'm not trying to be crude here, but this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. His daughter was dying now. Surely she could bleed for one more day. I'm not, I'm not being rude. Like if you were working in a hospital, a triage situation, someone is dying now. Someone's had an issue for 12 years. Like you would go with this one. That's how we operate in the natural. That's how we equate things. That's how we work things out. You are going to pay more attention to this than you are. But see, Jesus is not like us. He's not bound by, by the power that we're bound by. He's not bound in knowledge like we are. He's not bound in space and time like we are. Jesus operates above all of those things. But Jairus doesn't. And this is the story of Jairus and his faith. See, in this moment, it becomes a test for Jairus of God's omniscience. Does he really know that everything's going to be fine? The story goes on. While he was still speaking, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling Jesus now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. Just have faith. Faith. Somebody say, just believe. Just believe and she will be healed. You see, now, just believe. This becomes a test for Jairus of God's omnipotence. It's like, man, I had, I had faith to believe that God was powerful enough to heal my sick daughter. But now you're asking me to have a greater faith that God could raise my dead daughter. That's a lot of faith. That's a whole lot of faith. But verse 51, when they arrived at the house, Jesus would not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She's not dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she died. The crowd always knows, y'all. Like if you weren't aware of that, the crowd always knows what's right. If you're not sure about that, go online. Post an opinion. I guarantee the crowd has something to say about it. I dare you. But Jesus paid no attention to the crowd. He took this girl by the hand and said to her in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned to her and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat because he knew that food is good and food is good all the time and food is glorious. And my version's different to yours, my bad. 
And this is the end of the story. This girl gets raised from the dead. It's a brilliant day. But this whole journey that Jairus goes on, I'm going to ask our band to come back. This whole journey of faith that he goes on is a journey of testing. Testing if he really believes in what God can do. Testing if he really believes in who God is. And our life is just like this journey this man just went on. That through the trials and tribulations of our life, our faith gets tested. Yes, I know God is powerful, but is He powerful enough to move in my life? Have you seen the size of this bill? Have you seen the diagnosis I received from the doctor? Yes, I know God is knowledgeable, but how can He know me and my individual situation if nothing's changing when I pray? Yeah, 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 I know God is eternal. He's not temporal. He's all over time. But does He really know my future if I feel like the door is closed on my dreams? See, our role in life, our role is to just believe. Our role is to just believe, to stand firm upon who God is and what He says. You see, the truth is, these situations we go through try and shape our faith and try and diminish our faith. I've discovered in life that the older you get, the more you go through. That's not a very profound thought, I know. The older you get, the more you go through. We've just come to the close of another year, which means all of us have just had another year of living. Another year of things that we've gone through. Some of them fantastic, praise God. We just had our first child this year, five months ago. It was amazing. We had a great time. I know you're clapping me like I did something, but I didn't do very much. Now we have a child. But it's a lot of fun. But see, there's other things that go on throughout our year. See, we're standing here today with a child, but we're also 15 months removed from my father-in-law passing away. We're all standing here, just close the door on 12 months of living. And everything that we've gone through in the last 12 months, every trial you go through, every tribulation, every test, every circumstance, every situation, the older you get, the more you go through, it's an opportunity for your faith to take a hit. So man, I was, I was praying for God to do this, but He did this. I was believing for this, but this happened. Yeah, I went through this. People hurt me. A faith here. I've discovered that the older we get, the more our faith can take hit after hit after hit. And the reality is, the more you go through, the more opportunities your faith has to take a hit. Or if you choose to stand firm upon God, no matter what, that the more you go through, the more opportunities your faith has to grow. It's all about how you go through the things that you go through in life. It's all about what you are standing on and what your life is built upon. You see, it is now, next week will be 20 years to the day that I first gave my life to, to the Lord. It, it, I still remember the date and the time and the location and where I was. I was 16 years old, first encounter God. It was the greatest week of my life. I remember the prayers that I was praying. I was praying, God, would you use me to change my generation? God, I want to change the world. God, if you can use anyone, would you use me? So many of us, we prayed those prayers when we were first saved. Now here we are 20 years later. It's like, oh, Hey God, could you help me with this bill? So many of us, this is what our prayers are like. 
And this is what our faith is like. Not in this church, of course, like the churches down the road. Like you guys all know this. I'm just reminding it. But this is what our prayers can be like, is we can get so caught up in the circumstances we are surrounded with that all of a sudden our attention is not on the impossibilities of God and the future that He has for us, but we get caught up in the realities of where we find ourselves. And all of a sudden it begins to shape our theology. It's like, yeah, of course God's all powerful in the Bible, but you know, maybe not for me. Maybe He's just a bit powerful for me. Maybe He's just a bit all-knowing for me. I want to stir us. Now is not a time. 2020 is not a time for a little bit in to diminish, for our faith to be smaller, for our vision to come down a little bit. In fact, now is a time to enlarge, to stretch out our tent pegs, to lift up our eyes to heaven, to say, God, I choose to believe. I don't want to allow my past to dictate my future. I don't want to allow my past to shape my theology. But God, I want to stand firm upon who you are. God, that you are all powerful. God, that you can do anything. God, that nothing is too hard for you. God, I want to choose tonight with my life to just believe. See, when we first moved to Melbourne to start our church, they told us, you can't get into high schools in Melbourne. Melbourne's different to all of Australia. You can't do those things here. We said, that's nice. But we got a word from God. So we choose to stand upon that word. You know, before our church ever started, we had a meeting, a miraculous meeting, where we, I remember sitting across the desk from this woman who said to us, she goes, I want to open the door to 26 high schools for you. And that was fantastic, but it was also problematic because we didn't have a church and we didn't have a youth ministry and we didn't have a youth leadership team. But standing there that day, we knew The people had one report, but we choose to build our life upon God and the plans and purposes He has for us. We now stand here today in over 35 high schools every single week. A youth ministry of almost 5,000 teenagers. Why? Because we choose to just believe. I could tell you about our universities. They said the same thing. You can't get into universities, not in Melbourne. Melbourne's different. We said, that's nice. We chose to just believe. It was a little bit different. We started knocking on the doors. We started reaching out. We started building relationships for a year, for two years, three years, four years. Finally, in our fifth year of church, one university opened the door to us. Then in our sixth year of church, one more university opened the door to us. Then in our seventh year, a dozen universities opened their doors to us. Now we're on every major university campus in our city. Why? Because we chose to just believe. I could tell you the story of my friend Fabian. He pastors our Planet Shakers Church in Cape Town, South Africa. A couple of years ago, he came home from a holiday with his wife and three children. And he was home for a little bit for about 18 month old girl. He hadn't seen, he was hanging out with his little boys, but he hadn't seen his youngest child, his 18 month old girl. He hadn't seen her for about 10 minutes. Long story short, they found her floating upside down in their pool. She'd been unresponsive for 10 minutes and they pulled her out, started CPR, trying to resuscitate her 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. The people who were trying to resuscitate her tried to stop, but 
My friend looked at them, yelled at them and said, you will keep going. She will live. They got her to a hospital, 50 minutes, no oxygen. No oxygen to the brain, to the body, no breathing, no sign of life. But after 55 minutes, she took a breath. They got her hooked up to all of the machines. The doctors came in and ran all of their tests. And it, it is their job as doctors to take all of the facts in the natural and to present a prognosis. And that's what they did. They took all of the facts in the natural and they said to him, your daughter will never live. And if by some miracle she lives, she will never function away from a machine. She will never talk. She will never walk. She'll never be the same. My friend took that report. There's nothing he could do with it. You can't think positive thoughts over that report. You can't just wish that report away. There was nothing in his power that he could do. So he walked out of that hospital room, put himself in his car, turned on worship. He began to sing songs like here in this moment. Miracles from heaven are flowing in this place. Anything can happen. He began to sing songs like we speak life. We speak life. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. After two days, there was no change. Her poor body was freaking out with a fever. After three days, there was no change. After four days, the fever broke. After five or six days, she woke up from the coma. After seven or eight days, she began breathing on her own. And on the 11th day, this little girl who should have died stood up out of that bed and walked herself out of that hospital. There is no reason in the natural why that thing should have happened. But I'm telling you, we serve a God who is all-powerful. We serve a God who is all-knowing. We serve a God who is all over time. I don't know what you may be in the middle of. I don't know what natural limitation you may be facing. I don't know what report is over your life, but I know God can do anything. I know God is not bound like we are bound. If you would have the faith to open up your heart and just believe. I believe God could do miracles in your life. Come on, somebody shout a praise tonight. Come on, all over this room, would you shout a praise to Him? I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Because I don't know what it is that you may be facing. I don't know what it is that you're staring down the barrel of for 2020. Perhaps none of you are facing a situation quite like that. But perhaps there is a report. Perhaps there is a desperate need. Perhaps there is something that you've given up praying for because you've allowed your, your, your past to shape your faith. But I want to challenge you tonight if you would open up your heart, allow your God to shape your faith. Allow who He is to shape your faith. Not what we see in the natural or hear in the natural or feel in the natural, but who He is to shape our faith. Some would call it crazy faith. But it's not crazy when you know who He is. It's crazy when you look at what you're going through. But when you look at who He is, you're like, oh, of course. Of course that's who you are. Of course that's what you want to do. Of course that's what you want to release. Of course that's what you want to pour out. It lines up with your character. It lines up with who you are. It lines up with heaven. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.